Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Greg, how are you? I am doing fantastic today, Eric. How are you, man? I'm great. I'm. It's so good to be back with you and John. John, how are you? I cannot complain. Things are good. You're, Greg doesn't let you complain? <laughs> You're like, I cannot complain. Don't ask me that question. Yeah. No, it's good to be back with you. I know that you guys have a lot to talk about. What are you covering today? We are going to talk about Bitcoin and BitChain, blockchain, NFT, that whole universe of buzzwords that are out there that people say, gee, should we be investing in this? Should we be thinking about this? What the heck is it? We're going to, we're going to dive into that a little bit. Yeah. The, the first time somebody described an NFT to me, I, the first thing I thought was pet rock. People got suckered for pet rocks and they spent money on them. I'm like, so you guys are spending millions of dollars on a digital picture that is like, who knows how many copies are out there, but obviously I don't get it. So this is what you're here for. So thank you for doing this because I need to learn. We're going to talk about William Shatner's teeth. That's completely not where I thought that was going to go. So <laughs> with that segue, take it away, guys. All righty. Thanks, Eric. Hey, John. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're, we're chatting at a bar here, right? And uh, when I say, John, um, I had a client that, that uh, I was talking to today, and, and, and this guy was hell-bent for leather to invest in Bitcoin. And, 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 I, and I went to him and said, you know, um, you know that, that sounds great. Uh, you, know, you do you. That's not going to be part of your big savings that we're looking for the future because you, you might as well be uh, putting that money in the spot where it uh, could either become, you know, five times as much overnight or one third overnight. And that doesn't make sense, but he really wanted to jump in. And, um, I said, I, I don't think I would like to see you do that as a client of mine, because I am a safe money kind of guy, but you know, my, my, my strategic partner, John, he does more tactical type of things and he likes to, you know, kind of look at things on the outside. And I said, I, I'm going to talk to John. And I think this would make a good thing for us to chat about in a podcast format uh, so that other people could hear the dialogue that John and I would have over NFTs. So in uh, Bitcoin, so John, my client, he really wants us to put some of his money in Bitcoin. How could that be done in a strategic fashion? And from your perspective, from your years of investing, what's, what do you think about Bitcoin? Well, uh, Greg, that's a good question. I know what I think, but I also understand where the public is coming from, uh, because when they see something and you see articles in the news about, you know, a 27-year-old Bitcoin billionaire, People come back and say, how do I do that? I want to be a billionaire. How do I get in and how do I make money? So I'm sympathetic to people's curiosity. But if we were to really go down the road and say, okay, if you genuinely want to invest in Bitcoin, I think that there's a lot of upfront education that needs to take place and understanding where, where Bitcoin has been, what it's gone through, how did those billionaires come about, and maybe a little bit about 
what the future could hold for Bitcoin. So, you know, it started many, many years ago um, with a programmer. He said, I'm going to create this currency uh, that can be traded. It's completely unregulated. And the only thing that gives it value is how much people demand it, how much they want it. And so we're going to let Bitcoin grow on these servers, these farms, it's a bank of computers that solve these really complex, you know, computations and equations. And when they solve that equation, they get a Bitcoin in return. And so it started off and now we're up to something like almost 17 million Bitcoins. Um, the cap is 19. And it started off, you know, virtually no value. You've heard stories of people buying a pizza with three or four Bitcoin way back in the day. And that pizza today would be worth, you know, $150,000. That's because the Bitcoin value is so low early on that the people who started building these computer farms to make Bitcoin, they did make a ton of money, especially where Bitcoin's price is today. So that's kind of the run up to where we are today. Today, Bitcoin is valued, depend on when you listen to this podcast, probably somewhere between $35,000 and $45,000 per coin. In order to get in today, if you just want to buy Bitcoin, there are a couple of funds out there that will track Bitcoin and some of the other virtual coins out there. And so for somebody getting in today, I would just simply say, be very careful where you're buying it, right? Because it's still very uncharted territory. I would also say, be very careful because you mentioned what if the value drops by a third? Well, what if it dropped by 90%, which it certainly could do? Uh, there are a lot of risks from regulatory risk to demand risk and things like that. So, you know, it certainly has a spot in the portfolio, uh, has quite a bit of upside potential, uh, but you got to be very careful on where you're, where you're buying it. It's not a get rich quick scheme. Well, I, I think you, you, you touched on something of interest with that in the sense that you were mentioning that it was kind of created as a, as a, as a virtual currency. That's what it is. Uh, and the whole blockchain that goes along with, with that. And as we talked about before, you know, the whole notion of currency and value as a store of value, they're really two different things. What is currency and what is a store of value? Uh, and when you're talking about Bitcoin, you're talking about something that is operating as a as a substitute currency, uh, and it is something that uh, there is really relatively so few people owning it that the value is so subject to manipulation. So you you know, Greg, you mentioned store of value, and that is that's a really interesting notion because you know we look at something like gold or silver or copper. There's obvious value in that because gold is turned into jewelry and people want jewelry or copper is turned into, you know, something that can power your house with electricity and there's value there. Uh, but with Bitcoin, it's it's a little different. It's harder to identify really the source of value other than the pure demand of it. You also mentioned one other thing that's interesting. Who's holding all this Bitcoin? 
something like 85% of all the Bitcoin is held by just a handful of people. So, you know, is there market manipulation in the value? Is there, you know, what kind of influence do they hold over Bitcoin and some of these other, you know, currencies? We, we really don't know yet. We really don't know. And because 85% is controlled by a small group of people, the, the risk of it being manipulated is just off the charts. Right, exactly. It's, it, it is literally off the chart. You know, if somebody wanted to farm Bitcoin, you know, easier said than done, right? The problem is that the reality, those equations I mentioned earlier that they have to solve to earn Bitcoin, those equations are made more and more difficult the higher the value of Bitcoin gets. You know, it's so, interesting also, John, when we talk about those 85, the 85% owned uh, by a small group of people, you know, what's the history of Bitcoin? Bitcoin was designed to be a non-traceable currency, right? Uh, and so where did it get used? It got used in the dark web. It got used for all type of criminal enterprises. So putting two and two together, that 85% is probably owned by some shady characters in that group, right? Totally agree. I'll add one thing to that. It's interesting you mentioned how it's used and potentially, you know, everybody's heard of the Silk Road or the dark web. People are actually moving away from Bitcoin as an illegal currency because, believe it or not, it's actually extremely traceable now. Good old fashioned US $100 bills are still the most used currency for illegal activities. So what people don't realize is that some of these folks on the Silk Road, they're trading in Bitcoin. Well, it all traces right back to them because remember, at the end of that blockchain is where it's been and every step of the road is permanently embedded in that coin. Now, I want to drive the conversation a little bit uh, broader because Bitcoin is almost like Xerox, right? It's used as a generic term for lots of different types of virtual currencies. Can you talk a little bit about the, you know, the, the different types of currencies out there? I don't need you to get into specific types of them, but there, but there are a bunch of different ones, right? Yeah. Dogecoin, Ethereum. Um, those are all basically the same thing as Bitcoin. They're built on a blockchain system that is traded and can be passed from person to person. Now, and from the uh, economic as opposed to the financial kind of the broader economics perspective, the part of the, of the, um, the growth that's coming out of the Bitcoin uh, is the, the blockchain technology. That's really the core. When people hear that you know, Chase is invested in Bitcoin, well, they're not so much invested in Bitcoin. They're invested heavily in blockchain. Uh, foreign countries are invested heavily in blockchain because of what that can do. Can, can you speak to what blockchain is? Yeah. So it, in essence, is when you think of a chain, interlinking chains like this, right? So one piece of a chain gets transferred and all of a sudden is the new piece of chain is the new holder of the currency. So what you have is a link of where that currency has been each step of the way every time it's transferred. And so you can identify the source and the origination 
And so that's supposed to help with identifying and creating its legitimacy because we can go back and track it from the very beginning. And that's really what these big companies are most interested in. They want to make sure that when something transfers from person to person or peer to peer, they want to make sure that what they receive on their end is the original piece of information that came from the originator. That's really where the power is. And so you, you mentioned NFT. That's going to play a big role in why NFT is, um, is that's so important for the NFT. So let me kind of bring that back to a, a, a example, you know, drawing from my early years in the practice of law, uh, when you have a real estate transaction, you know, part of what the title agency, the real estate attorney, what they did, one of their jobs was to go to the public records and to go methodically back through time through the sequence of transactions with the, the deed to the home to assess whether or not there was good title to be sold to the new person. And what, if you think about what happened with that element back in the day, the attorneys went and did it and they spent all their time doing it. And then as time went on, uh, they had their, uh, their agents that went, went and did it. And now we went to an era where a lot of that stuff is available on, uh, that's microfish. That was the big evolution. Well, now we got to it all being online. So you see with each step of that iteration, that the process of verifying title going back on a real estate transaction uh, is, uh, is made easier. And part of the reason why governments are looking at, at blockchain is now they can add that to a real estate transaction history. And it virtually assures just by looking it up that there is clear title to the that's, real estate. That's a perfect example of what blockchain is. And so when we talk about um, uh, the the NFT, the non-fungible tokens. That's that's all the rage right now. I, I, I want you to explain what that is a little bit. I don't know if you know the William Shatner's tea story I referred to or not, but uh, that's one of the ones that went out there and made a lot of money. But I'd like for you to explain to our listeners what that is. And then I've got an interesting story that I'd like to share uh, based upon that. Yeah. So there are a lot of NFTs, right? I think Banksy has one. Michael Jordan has one. Everybody's getting in because there's there's a dollar to be made. But you're exactly right. NFT is interesting because now we can take the original, the first meme ever created, tie it back to the original owner and the original picture that went out. And now it has value because it's the only one. And it's a little bit you know, it's, it, it's, it's a little novel, right? Oh, I own the first meme ever published and I can verify that it is the right one. Even if it's been copied a million times to own the original is kind of neat. It, it's kind of novel. It's like any art, right? You know, if I have a Picasso hanging on the wall, I can't go bury the Picasso in my backyard and turn it into a tomato bush. Um, it, it kind of is just a painting. Um, so why is why are these Picassos worth so much? It's just oil on canvas. And so, but people want them and they consider it artwork and it's the original, right? It's, it's not a copy. So when we can take something kind of novel, like a meme that has this novel value that people want to own 
and we can verify its authenticity that it's the original you know arguably that's a that could be a good investment the same way art is so one of the interesting things with with art with the you know, the true art not the, uh, the 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 vacation art the true art you know right. uh, for it to transfer with value then they have to have that linkage much like the t- the chain of title that we spoke of with deeds and, and with digital art uh, the, the, the memes that you talked about, or more precisely with, um, more artistic creations made through computers. So a few weeks ago, uh, I had the opportunity to consult with a brother, my brother-in-law and his mentor passed away recently. Uh, and his mentor was one of the founding fathers of, uh, the computer generated art, the, the whole program. Uh, in the in the 60s. Uh, and he was working through uh, how do we preserve the value? How do we through NFTs and what have you preserve the value of these art pieces that are generated by computer code? Uh, and, you know, now, just like the Picasso, this man can make no more. He's passed away. His name was Chuck Surrey, uh, and uh, he's a fascinating man. But uh, but you know he passed away at, uh, at almost a hundred. Uh, but you know now he's not producing anymore. Uh, but his computers are still there. His algorithms are still there. His uh, the ability to reproduce these things are still there. And so, how do you establish that? I had the only one that he produced that was the, the real one. And that's what is an appropriate use of NFT, not William Shatner's teeth. <laughs> right. Yeah, I could see Disney getting into the business if they have popular, you know, slides for Toy Story 1. But you're exactly right. It's, you know, we, we put that up, we put a giant lock on it called bit called, you know, the, the blockchain. And now you've got the original. So as you, as you mentioned early on, um, as I started by saying, wow, this stuff is wildly risky. You don't want to be here, but you, you did say there's some ways of getting into it. If, if you are so inclined and, you know, on this program, we don't make specific recommendations on any investments, but with regard to places, one would look, um, I, I do believe there are some, uh, exchange traded funds that, that are based upon, uh, Bitcoin and blockchain technology. And there probably, there's some funds as well. If you're not so inclined to go directly in. Do you have any places where people might want to look if they are inclined of, of uh, putting some risk in their portfolio that's going to make uh, Mr. Toad's wild ride look tame? So talk to a financial advisor. A lot of times, Greg, you know, we go to these conferences and we get introduced to funds and opportunities that are not put out to the general public. And so what happens is we will typically have funds that we have vetted and we've looked at and will give consumers an opportunity to get in and participate in in what could potentially be some upside. The risk is, and what we've seen recently is so many people getting in into one fund that this one fund almost starts to bid against themselves. You know how the Yankees overpay for their baseball players because they're the biggest on the block and they way overpay for these guys. The same thing is happening with NFT funds. Their goal is to go purchase high value NFTs and they drive, because they have a huge pool 
of people bidding on it, they drive up the cost of these funds uh, almost, they're bidding against themselves. So you just have to be very, very careful because the, some of the top NFTs out there, you know, they thought they were going to get $50 million. They ended up getting $250 million. Now you're sitting with a fractional share of an asset that's so overpriced and it was risky to begin with. Now we're dealing with a tremendous amount of risk. So, yeah. and um, like, like the gold conundrum that we always talk about, it's when do we get in? When do we get out? And by the way, if you've had that type of a huge growth on a Bitcoin bet, don't forget about a good old Mr. Internal Revenue Service, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, especially if you have a Bitcoin farm or own some nodes, that's income earned in that year. And it's typically ordinary income, not just capital gains. So you got to be very, very careful with that. So as we uh, wrap up for today's conversation, you know, part of my thing I'd like for the listeners to, to take away, um, first of all, Bitcoin, it's real, it's here. Uh, it is potentially a, an asset class of its own to be looked at, but it is incredibly risky. But above and beyond that, Bitcoin and blockchain are yet another step in our evolution uh, that with the increased uh, digitization of our economy uh, the upside uh, of this technology it, the ramifications we don't know where they may end up but they are all it could be exponential game changers in a lot of these situations like the example i said with the, with, uh, the deed it used to be you'd have to take several days going through hard paper to find that um, if you look at art you look at the past you'd have to have um, you know people that were uh, art certified art examiners to make sure that it is uh, the right thing it is the one that you're trying to buy uh, so with the evolution comes risk, comes opportunity. But for most of our clients, being more safe money uh, servants that we are, you know, it really should not be a big part of what you're doing. John, do you have anything you want to add in closing on that? No, I, I, Greg, I think you, you nailed it. I totally agree. It should not be a significant part. There is room if you want to have that conversation, if you want to be able to say at the cocktail party, I own some Bitcoin or I own some NFT. Make sure that you're doing so in, in a wise and responsible way um, and make sure you're not putting money that you need to live, in, live off of in there. This can be kind of the, you know, we always talk about, you know, you can have your fun money, right? If you want to, if you want to do that, just don't think it's a get, just don't feel like it's a get rich quick scheme. It's, it's, it's not. not a, not a Hail Mary pass, is it? No, it is not. <laughs> Eric, does our fly on the wall have anything he'd like to ask as we uh, wrap up this uh, session? Let me turn my mic on. How about that? I didn't want to interrupt you guys. Um, I'll tell you what, this has been fantastic. Uh, again, it's NFT still confuse me, <laughs> but I know what not to do. And, and that's just, you know, basically throw my money away and gamble. So uh, I, I still think it's so fascinating, but you guys brought up a lot of great points. And I, I'm hoping that you can continue this conversation, not just on this podcast, but I'm assuming people are going to have questions like I do. How do they reach out to either one of you to figure that out and just say, Hey, look, I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit more in depth because, you know, I was gifted a couple of Bitcoin years ago and I have no idea what to do with them. Let alone how to find it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it's story <laughs> yeah. I've, I've lost my wallet. It's one of my so. pockets. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think they're, yeah. <laughs> 
So they can reach out to me at uh, greg at dupontwealth.com. That's G-R-E-G at D-U-P-O-N-T-W-E-A-L-T-H.com or 614-408-0004. And John, if you want to... Yeah, when you, when you reach out to Greg, you know, he'll do his fact finder, his due diligence, or if you're already a client of Greg, um, he can put you in touch with me directly, uh, either via email, and we can have a conversation around what may be some good options for you in your in your situation. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today and all the education. And of course, our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And, and again, this one is great because I think everybody wants to know a little bit more about Bitcoin and, and uh, you know, Dogecoin, Doggy, Doggy coin. What do you? I don't know. Anyway, y'all figure it out. Uh, but it'll it'll create a good discussion. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.